All right. Welcome to Brewcast for Mesa Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Giardi, joined by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani here with you on Selection Sunday, March 14th. A bracket show just wrapped up not too long ago. We know where the Wolverines stand uh, in their bracket, and we know where they're going. They're going to the same place everyone else is, and that's Indiana. Uh, so we'll we'll see. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to react to it all. Uh, Big Ten tournament semifinal loss to Ohio State Saturday. Obviously, the, the terrible news with Isaiah Livers, Michigan's draw. We're going to get to it all here today, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So I got to bring in my guys here, Anthony, Chris. What's going on, fellas? How are we feeling on Selection Sunday here? Well, let me just start out by saying this. It's therapeutic that we're even here on a Selection Sunday, given – a year ago and change, um, the world was a much, still a scary place, but a much different, darker place than it is today. So it's good. Um, I'll sit through all your commercial breaks. I'll sit through your teases. I'll sit through whatever. Like I have a paper bracket in front of me. I will print out at least 10 more. I will fill all of them out by hand and I will not know which one I'm going to actually use or in a bracket pool or whatever, but I feel great. Uh, despite, uh, what has been a to call it a roller coaster of a week with Michigan basketball would be the understatement of the century, but I am energized. I'm charged up. I'm also like uh, Dayquil fueled right now. Cause I am working through a cold, but let's just, let's just get after it. Like I'm pumped to be here. You know, I think within the last year, so many people have developed a different perspective, not just on sports, but really on life. And I can't help but imagine like if a year ago at this time when we were all staying home and we had finally learned how just completely scary COVID was. If you would have told us that a year from now, we're going to be doing the same thing on this podcast, but we're going to talk, be talking about a Michigan team that's a one seed in the NCAA tournament. We all would have thought that was more insane than what was already going on in 2020. I mean, the fact that we're are we are where we are, it's a, it's a, it's a privilege. And I know there's been some monumentally disappointing things that have happened over the last several days, and we're going to talk about those because, especially involving one player, because our our heart aches for him. But we're here, man, and it is March, and it's going to be a stressful time. But it's like that thing I said a couple of weeks ago, where there's something to be said about the chase. Michigan has a team in the NCAA tournament right now that, you know, I, I don't know the ceiling with the injury, but at the very worst, they can make it to the final four. And that's fun. That's fun to me. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see what, what comes next. Uh, also everyone in the chat, thanks for being here. I know you guys are excited, obviously again, selection Sunday, let us know what you think uh, about Michigan's tournament draw in the chat. We'd love to hear your thoughts as we go through it all. I, uh, you know, Yes, Anthony's got the bracket here. He's all excited, aren't we? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, first one seed since 1993. Kind of crazy. And uh, went back and, and looked at that run, man. And they had a dicey game with UCLA in that second round. And we, we could have another dicey one here, uh, potentially with LSU or the Bonnies, man. The Bonnies have been making some noise here this year as well. Like, that's probably going to be a pretty tough second round matchup. Uh, there's a lot of tough draws out there. Illinois probably got shafted the worst. I think that region of the Midwest is absolutely brutal, but I mean, for Michigan, it feels good to be a one seed, you know? Um, and I also want to ask you, I, I guess we should start with this, uh, that game Saturday uh, against Ohio state. That's the first we've really seen, you know, without Isaiah livers, what the, what the new normal is going to be here for Michigan moving forward. Um, uh, obviously, 
a one point loss, Michigan had a chance to win that game. I, I still don't. I, I I'm trying to relive it in my head how they even had a chance to to win that game. You know, with, with the things that were happening, the way Ohio State was playing and shooting the basketball. Uh, so I think there's a lot of room for for optimism there. Uh, there's some things that scare me a little bit that I saw in that game Saturday, particularly uh, the the one thing that I noticed more than anything. So Michigan, you know, we, we, we chalked it up to Michigan, not making shots, Ohio state making some shots. Right. I thought the quality of looks Michigan was getting, uh, especially from the outside were not as quality as they usually are with Isaiah livers. And that's to be expected, but I mean, that's a pretty big part of the reason Michigan shot the way they shot, you know, th- there were a couple of decent looks that they missed, but like Shandy in the first half, the, the threes he took, they were really contested, you know, hand in his face. And it, it just didn't seem like there were as many open shots as there usually are with, with livers out there on the floor. Uh, the defense, though, definitely encouraged by the defense. You know, that's going to be tough for any team in the tournament moving forward to take on with this team. Um, so, so that was really encouraging. You can nitpick here and there. But ultimately, I came away feeling better after the Ohio State game than I did when I first got the, the livers news. Yeah, it's it's not surprising they lost. Obviously, um, you lose Isaiah Livers, who is the heart and soul, the heartbeat, the the straw that stirs the drink, whatever you want to call it. Like that's what he is to this basketball team. So you don't just flip a switch and, and get over that. And, and especially you look at the Big Ten tournament semifinals. You had all four teams who were within what the top seven teams in the country on Kempom. So to do what they did. And I thought that they, I, they didn't play well on Saturday, but they played, I thought they still played hard. The fight was obviously still there. Um, a thing I like about this team that it, it hasn't, they, they haven't lost in, you know, there was the game. They lost Eli Brooks a week ago today, the game on Saturday where you don't have Isaiah livers. If you make mistakes against them, they're going to capitalize on them. And Ohio state, had a lot of problems closing out that game and Michigan to its credit fought. They, they, they clawed back. They, they had a shot at the buzzer to win it without your best player shooting 35% on the day. Uh, you know, I think that just, it, it says what you need to know about the makeup of the team. So a part of me, and we'll go through the draw and the bracket and all of that, but a part of me wonders, listen, you're not going to like Isaiah livers is a stress fracture and that's a six to eight week injury. It's going to take some act of providence or act of God right. for him to even get back on the court to be a decoy. So I'm again, I'm not, it's, he's not going to be around. So, but what you still have, I think is a roster that, especially when you look at this draw, I, I think they still can make a run and, and they still will be ready because the makeup is there. This team is literally to this point this year, been through, Every single test that a team can possibly face, their coach was even ejected out of a game the other day. So, again, it's the the road will be tough. You don't you don't replace a a, a 50, 40, 90 guy like Isaiah Livers is, but you know everyone else steps up a little bit. And again, maybe just getting out of the grind that's been the Big Ten is, I won't say what the doctor ordered, but. Maybe things open up for them a little bit. We've seen that in these tournament these tournament draws for them in the past. Uh, you make a lot of points that I agree with. I uh, first off, I just got to say, and, and I, I'm sure I speak for all of us, but I, 
uh, I'm really heartbroken for Isaiah Livers. I, I just, you're talking about a guy, and I kind of went through the same thing with Brooks when we thought that he had, you know, a serious injury, but even more so with Liv- Livers. We're talking about a four-year guy, a four-year, a three-year captain. He started in three, three years who has had several injuries that he's come back from. One of one of the most likable players in the country. I when I've I've watched him in post game uh, press conferences, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be a coach one day. Like he just has that appeal to him. And I I still contend whatever team uh, get decides to draft Isaiah Livers in uh, the NBA draft in June is going to get a hell of a player. And and you weep for the guy. I love Isaiah Livers, and, and I I hope something happens where he can. He can see the court again. I hope this isn't the end of his journey, and I know he's going to do everything he can to come back. As far as the game itself, obviously you didn't have him. Hunter Dickinson played a phenomenal game, 9 for 14 from the floor. Franz Wagner was 2 for 10. Mike Smith was 1 for 11. Chandy Brown was 1 for 6, and they lost this game by a point. Franz Wagner also followed out, fouled out with about, I mean, what, five minutes left Didn't in the game? That. Yeah, they were 35% from the floor. Ohio State threw in a ton of threes, especially in the first half. Dwayne Washington was the best player on the floor, really for the entire tournament, but especially uh, in this game, and they lost by one. And it, it was obviously disappointing, but one thing that I've pointed out as a mild concern in their losses this year has been that when they've gotten punched in the mouth, they haven't they've wobbled a lot and sometimes just flat out fallen down the Minnesota loss. You fall behind, never really bounce back Illinois. That was just a beat down Michigan state. You did fight back near the end. I chalk that up more to just water finding its level and Michigan just being a more talented basketball team. You saw in the second half, especially the last five minutes of that game, uh, the kind of intestinal fortitude that this team has. And a lot of questions will be asked about how you replace livers and, I look at the production they got out of the t- two guys who are kind of taking his spot because Chandy is going to get a majority of the minutes. And I believe in Chandy. I, I think Chandy's going to be fine. You know, did not play a great game yesterday, but even though he didn't play well yesterday, you could see him as, as an aggressor doing more than his, what he usually does. Usually he's, you put him on the wing and he hits a lot of threes and he's been great at that. He's been awesome. You saw him driving. You saw him trying to penetrate. You saw him trying to create off the dribble. He is capable of doing, of doing that. He just hasn't had to play that role since he's been at Michigan so far, but the two guys that are going to really need to step up. Cause we know how good Chandy is, is the, as I said before the show, the, the Gilliams combo of Brandon Johns and Terrence Williams. And the two of them combined did not make a shot from the floor, but seven points. Let me see a block two assists, eight rebounds, and you were seven for eight from the free throw line. If that's the kind of production you get, this team can survive. And this team can even thrive, to, quite honestly. And you brought up the point, Anthony, about maybe it's maybe it's just what the doctor ordered getting out of the Big Ten. And that's the other thought that I had the second this game ended. No team that Michigan plays, on t- probably until they get to the Final Four, will be as good as Ohio State. And I'm not saying that they're not capable of losing any of these games. I, I guarantee you they are, especially with the injury. We know how, how you know inconsistent they've been over the last two weeks. I'm not saying it's a cakewalk, but I also know that this is the most battle-tested uh, conference in the country. And there's a reason why the selection committee viewed all these teams in such high regard. There's a reason they got all the one seeds and the two seeds. It's because every team in this conference that made the tournament is really, really good. I 
yeah, I, I, you never like losing any game, but I did not come out of Saturday's game feeling that heartbroken. I'm, I'm usually the pessimist. I usually don't find any, any comfort in losses, but I did come out of that thinking they didn't play well and they missed one of their best players and they still hung around and had a chance to had and had a, a chance to win. And so, yeah, it, it, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. That's uh, the thing is, you know, you lost Isaiah. What he, he went out with, Late in that first half, I think on that and one there, never really returned. I wasn't really sure what was going on. Uh, I didn't see him get hurt until someone posted the the clip against Maryland there. I was like, I have no idea why he's not playing. thought maybe it was just a Juwan decision because he wasn't playing that well. But you didn't really I, – I don't know if the guys really saw it or knew what Isaiah was going through either uh, in that second half. But ultimately what it comes down to is you got thrown into the fire against a, a team that ended up on the two line here this year, just went to the big 10 championship game and, and went into overtime in that one w- without Isaiah livers, your senior leader, arguably your best player, or, you know, as Anthony put it, you know, kind of the straw that stirs the drink offensively, you're going to have to find a new rhythm hard to do uh, against really good teams. Now the good news is about all the work you put in is you're the one seed here. You're going to get a 16 seed, presumably be able to find a little bit of a rhythm before you you go into what's going to be a top 30 matchup. Uh, whether it's LSU, I believe they're number 29 on Ken Palm. St. Bonaventure's number 25, I believe, on Ken Palm. So it's going to be a top 30 team you're going up against. But you have that game that you're going to be able to find a rhythm. And it took Michigan a little bit in that Ohio State game to really find a rhythm offensively without Isaiah Livers because he does so much out there and like you alluded to Chris you know some of these guys I mean Brandon John's getting the start you know that's that's a guy that comes in you know for give someone a break maybe a little burst of energy we have Terrence Williams he's been I don't know super hit or miss man he'll he'll play some minutes then he he went like five games we we never see saw him out on the floor Mm -hmm. this is and this is a big opportunity for him too this is why you bring guys like him here uh but you need to find that new rhythm the good news is is that they're going to have a chance, at least in that first round, to really find a new rhythm? I think that's gonna. I think that's gonna go a long way potentially here for Michigan. And, and you know the point you made about Johns, and you know this obviously, but like Chandy is gonna get a majority of of Livers minutes. I'm gone. Juwan, understandably so, just loves the energy that Chandy brings off the bench in, in a game. So I yeah, I have I have no problem uh, with with him doing that. It's also worth noting that like. The Ohio State loss, I feel like having a day, less than a day, to prepare for a game or a series of games in which you're not going to be without, in which you're without one of your better players is extremely difficult. But having a week to do so, which is what they're about to have to kind of adjust to life without him, um, I think will probably end up helping them a, a fair amount. It's why I didn't really expect them to win that Ohio State game. And there was one more thing. Uh, you know, I didn't notice when Livers re-aggravated uh, his foot, but I do remember when Jawan was asked about it because Livers, the fewest minutes he played this year were 25, and he played 15 against Maryland. And Jawan was asked about it, and he gave an answer that, in hindsight, you could look back on and be like, okay, he knew something was up. If somebody, I think it was Orion Sang, asked, why did he play 15 minutes? And he said something like, you know, Isaiah's doing everything he can to help himself and help help the team. And uh, we're just going to try to keep putting him back out there. I think I think they've known for a minute he hasn't been at 100% health. And, you know, like a true badass, he's, he's gone out there and fought. But uh, unfortunately, it's just not in the cards right now. 
Well, let's get into the draw a little bit here. Cause that's what I mean. It's selection Sunday. We're in the spirit a little bit, you know, uh, Michigan, Big Ten regular season champions, co-champions of the Big Ten tournament. I mean, we're feeling pretty good here today, you know. And uh, we've got Mount, the winner of Mount St. Mary's and Texas Southern. I don't know what just happened. I'm viewing Anthony Broom's screen. All right, he's he's bringing it up for me. All right, I don't need to look at my face. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm helping you doing your salad here. All right, I, what was I? Oh, okay. Here we go. Now I got it. All right. So, <laughs> um, so we got uh, Mount St. Mary's, Texas Southern, but I, I look at this region and yeah, that's, that's a tough eight, nine matchup either way, you know, especially if you watch that LSU Bama game here today, my awesome God, game. was that a good game, man. Awesome game. Rem- reminded me of the Michigan Ohio state game, didn't it? Like mm-hmm. in Columbus. Yeah. Just back and forth shot making. It, it was truly tremendous. No, I, I think, you know, we were talking in the group chat a little bit here today, and we were talking about LSU and being a dangerous team. Man, they do take some bad shots, and a lot of them went in. And if that happens, that's how you get beat in basketball. But you can shoot yourself out of a game real quick there, especially against Michigan's defense. So I'm saying the Bonnies are no pushover either. So I don't know who's going to win that LSU Bonaventure game. Um, the rest of the way, though, you know, looking down the line potentially, maybe Florida State, Georgetown's hot, but. Ultimately, man, I really like this region and this whole setup for Michigan. I think it's, you know, you compare it to the Midwest region. We'll go into that maybe a little bit later. That is murderer's row over in the Midwest. I kind of like Michigan's draw for the most part here throughout the entire region. Yeah, I'm going to come back here. Um, Yeah, uh, listen, I, I, the, not that, you know, again, I'm not trying to tempt the basketball gods, which I've done a few times this season, uh, but you're not in danger of losing the, to the 16 seed. Look, let's just call it what it is. Um, and I think you're even in the less danger because they're going to be a team that's played. They'll right. be playing in a play-in game. So let's just, I mean, Michigan, we'll just put them in the round of 32. Um, that 8-9 matchup, I, I think compared to – you know, as I look at the other eight nines, I mean, in Gonzaga's region, they get the winner of Oklahoma, Missouri. In da, 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 Baylor's region, they get North Carolina or Wisconsin. Wisconsin's like Ken Palm's 10th ranked team, and they're a nine seed. Wisconsin is toast, dude. I Watching them the last couple of weeks. They, probably. They just, probably. Yeah. Yeah, but again, that, that I mean, nine, as a nine seed, I was like, oh, that is a brutal draw for Wisconsin. And again, I'm not saying the Big 12 is trash, but like Wisconsin – Again, is that another team that once you get out of the grind that is the Big Ten, do True. things start to open up for you? So, like, senior guard play, play too. Like North Carolina's there too. Way in March. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Illinois gets, uh, you know, either Loyola, Chicago, which Sister Jean, like, we're, we're going to be standing her the entire month of March, however long she's in it. And I'm glad they missed Loyola, man. That was the one team I did not want to see on the 8 9 line in Michigan's region. Credit yeah. to them, by the way, because sometimes you have a a team that goes on a Cinderella run and they just kind of never pop up again. They've sustained that success over the last couple of years. Like they're yeah. they, they're not Florida Gulf Coast. Like if they they have Port, a Port could have replaced John Beeline. Like that, there's yeah. a timeline yeah. where that happens. So, um, but yeah, Illinois is going to get either Loyola or Georgia Tech, who's been playing good basketball. So. Again, like you look at this 8-9 matchup for Michigan, uh, the Bonnies are good. They play good defense. And, uh, again, the Atlantic 10 is is that's it's no slouch of a conference. And they, they're 25th on Kempom, 38th offensively, 17th on defense. So 
for a team like Michigan, who's still working to find out what their offense is. I think I prefer LSU because I, someone just tweeted this out. I, I, again, we're doing this live, so I don't have it in front of me. Uh, LSU has the worst defensive efficiency of any of the at-large teams in the, in the tournament. Wow. Like 125th on defense. So it's like okay. literally, <laughs> literally Iowa times two. Cause I, or well, Iowa times, uh, Iowa has moved up. They're like in the top 50 now. Ooh. They Look, I know we've made a bunch of jokes about them and understandably so because they've had a coach there for 12 years who doesn't know how to teach defense, but they have gotten better this year on, on the defensive end. Yeah. Like they're a bad big 10 defensive team, but they're not a terrible overall defensive team. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I LSU, uh, got- but, but look at that Midwest region. I mean, it, so think about this. So Illinois actually bumped, bumped ahead of Michigan on the seed line uh, when, when all the seeds were announced here. They, they, yeah. which was you know, deserved. They, they announced I have no issue with that. Very deserved. Yeah. But I, you got Loyola or Georgia Tech in that second round waiting for you in the Sweet 16. Either Tennessee, who's been a tough monster in the SEC, or you got Cade Cunningham in Oklahoma State. There in the Sweet 16, you might run into West Vi in the in the Elite Eight if you get there. I mean, that yeah. there is not going to be an easy game outside of that first round for Illinois. Like, yes. I'd much rather have that number four, uh, number one seed that Michigan's got. I'm glad oh, Illinois jumped ahead of them because that is a incredibly yeah. tough region. To it's like, down. congrats Illinois on your Big Ten title and all of your trash talk directed <laughs> at Michigan. Here's literally the toughest region in the NCAA tournament, and it, and and it is, but. And I like they're, we, they're good enough to plow through. I was about we've oh, yeah, no of, question about it. We've yeah. thrown a lot of shade at Illinois. The way they played this week, and really the way they played since they lost to Michigan State, they look like they think they can win the whole thing, and they can. Yeah. I mean, Coffee Coffee Coburn is prime. I mean, that dude is is unstoppable right now down low. So, um, and they you know obviously great guard play, which is so important in March with IO. Yeah, I know. I I see what you're saying, and they do by far have the the toughest region. I would say Gonzaga probably you know, gift wrap the easiest region, which is understandable. They're undefeated. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, a, compared to what Michigan has. Yeah. Like I said, it could be worse. That's a good point. Someone just, uh, right, right. Tech guy here, man, is like someone like Kofi without big 10 reps that, that really have seen him all year. How is he going to be officiated down low? Cause, cause we don't see outside of maybe a couple games throughout the year when the refs decided we don't see a lot of, you know, ticky tack stuff down low guys battling for position like Kofi with, with some of these other refs, PAC 12 sec that don't really see these, you know, really monstrous big guys like Kofi is that you see the big 10 with like Hunter Garza, Kofi, all those guys, like what, what's it going to be like, especially defensively, how are they going to call it? Cause he could easily, and I think this is a great point here from uh, the right, right tech guy in the Twitch chat. I mean, he could easily be within foul trouble against any of those teams on the run of the final four. Well, is it, let's be real though. And I, and I've, I don't like to do this, but this, the guy's a meme at this point. Is it big 10 refs or is it just Boborowski? No, it's, 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 it's all of them. It's man. Big that, 10 refs. that ball, um, is that ball okay, dude DJ Carson in the Ohio that state well. game. That yeah. bald dude, I, I don't know who he is. I don't know his name, but I do not like that guy. I think he, he officiated the Big Ten Championship game here today, I think. I don't know. They're just all hashtag Big Ten refs to me. So yeah, yeah, I don't I care what crew it is. They're it's nameless, faceless. They might as well be like um, whatever the Android was in iRobot. Like that's what they all register as to me. So um, yeah, I look at this region for Michigan and 
again, Texas, there's the Luke, Luke Yaklich factor there. Alabama. Is he still there? Or no, no he's at Chicago. Yeah, I, was, he's, I, he's I asked at that last night. I don't think he's there. Duh, of course. Because they're like 36 UIC. That's the last time Michigan saw Shaka in the tournament, it didn't go very well for Shaka. So, yeah. No. Um, yeah. It's like, it, it looks like to me, like if you get out of, I feel pretty good about this. If they can find a way to get out of that eight, nine, because again, um, Georgetown's playing well, Florida state has, has played well, but other than that, like there's not a team like, well, let's put it this way. Like Michigan has shown a, a, an ability to lose to anyone if it can't, you know, make it shots or right. You know, those two games without Eli Brooks were, were brutal, honestly, but assuming he's there, um, and again, he didn't wear the ankle brace on on Saturday. He played great in both games. He played really. Yeah, well. he played really well. Yeah. So that's maybe that's your act of God for March. I mean, can you imagine being without both of those guys right now? Then we're really talking. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you what. If there's one guy, if Michigan needs a big shot, what he showed in those two games of the Big Ten tournament. If there's one guy I want taking the shot, it's Eli Brooks. Yeah, right and now. we've seen with. Guy, you know, Big Ten seniors, especially, but you know, Michigan and Michigan State guys in the past, you know, like what Jordan Morgan did in the tournament, and you know, that last hurrah. I think if there was one thing that made me like, I Michigan last year wasn't that good, but if there was one thing that made me think maybe they got a shot, it was the fact that like I could have seen Teske having a two or three game stretch where all of a sudden he played out of his mind. Derek Walton turned into Trey Burke the last 10 games of his career. Like, we this is going to be Eli Brooks' swan song. And without his buddy on the floor, I could, yeah, I could see him doing like, you remember what, you know, not to bring back bad memories. Remember what Matt McQuaid did to Michigan and like throughout that tournament uh, in 2019, I could see a similar sort of impact and they're almost similar players because they're both elite defenders as well. Yeah, no question about it. And, and like we mentioned, guard play, that's, that's going to be, that's usually the biggest indicator of success during March, uh, especially when it's experienced guard play. You've got two. You got a grad senior out there, and you've got a senior, Mike Smith. He's been, you know, through the ringer. I don't believe he ever made the NCAA tournament. No, I don't think he ever even went to an Ivy League tournament, uh, taking the top four. But you've got him, who's got a ton of experience. You've got Eli Brooks out there, who's a senior. Like that is a, an incredibly experienced and talented backcourt. And I think, mm-hmm. like everyone's gonna make a big deal about Franz and Hunter Dickinson, and rightfully so. But those two guys are gonna be the ones who probably determine whether you win and lose. And I'd rather have those two than you know, like a, a freshman out there, regardless of how good he is. I, I do wonder if that's going to come back to uh, to bite a team like Illinois. You know, I, I love that freshman point guard. Uh, blanket on his name here right now. He had a great game, and he's been fantastic down the stretch. But a lot of the time, man, you you got these freshmen, especially these guards out here. Uh, the tournament is, is just a different beast out there. Yeah. Yeah, I, like I said, I looked through this East region, and there's not – the teams, the two teams that I, again, Michigan could lose to anyone. That's the yeah. situation they're in right now. But we're I'm worried about Florida State. Florida State's one for sure. Like I said, LSU, to me, that's the preferred matchup because of how, how terrible they are defensively. Mm-hmm. And then you look at their bigs. I think the biggest guy they have is, is Shaq's kid. And he's, he averages like three points a game. So, you know, I'll take Hunter Dickinson's, uh, I'll take him in really, you know, it's, it's all about finding the teams in here that could neutralize him. Cause I do think that, you know, the difference being that he's had a full freshman season to, you know, show the world who he is. 
I could see like a Mitch McGarry type of tournament run where um, Hunter Dickinson, like nobody has an answer for him because right. I mean, unless you get to, I mean, I just don't, I don't see it here. So it's going to be one of the, like Michigan, if they make a hot take, Michigan makes their shots. They could come out of this region still. Mm-hmm. If they don't, they could get popped by anyone after that first round game. I, I still think even without Isaiah Livers, I think they very well could be the best team in this region still, uh, given taking a look at all the region. It, it just, it's a matter of finding the chemistry and rhythm. You know, yeah. the talent yeah. is there, but you played all year, you know, with Isaiah Livers and with your guys, and you found a certain rhythm, especially in the half court. Um, but, but I also think that, they, you know, the, the way they play defense, there were a couple times where I thought they missed some maybe transition opportunities, especially with like Franz Wagner steals and things like that, that they kind of slowed it up and went to the half court instead. Like maybe use that more to your advantage, getting out in transition, even if you feel like you don't necessarily have an advantage, see if you can make something happen because uh, until you find that certain rhythm within that offense, that might be your bread and butter, to be honest. Yeah, and let's the one thing we said again a million times, but is that this team has a lot of scores. And this is not at all meant to be a slight on Isaiah Livers, but even without him, they still have a lot of scores. Where he his presence will would be felt would be most likely on the offensive end. But like I said, I think there's there is more depth at that position than any other. Like if Hunter Dickinson were to go down, knock on wood a million times, it's just an example, but it's March and I'm paranoid. Uh, if he were to go down, um, and I like Austin Davis a lot, but he's not playing 35 minutes. Uh, if huh. if uh, Let's we saw not. what happened when Brooks went down. If Mike Smith were to go down, uh, Zeb Jackson ain't running the offense. I, I think that if you, and, and again, again, I, this almost feels mean, so I feel bad. But like, if you had to lose one, there's enough depth at that position where you could be mildly, you could mildly replace it or get close to equal value in the two or three guys that were going to take over that spot and still make a run here. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, the, the thing is though, I, I struggle with it. There, there seems to be a lot of depth at that position, but you're also, you're not necessarily just replacing that position, right? Like look right. at how, look at how much that, you know, did you re- did you really replace Isaiah Livers with Brandon Johns in the starting lineup? I mean, technically, but your entire style of play changes along with it. That was yeah. the thing Which, that made for the record. I'm in favor of them going smaller and just starting Shondi, but I yeah. get why they like the the Shondi energy off. He the wants bench. him off the bench. Yeah, so I, I I do agree. It does, with like that, if he though, if he plays thirty minutes and still is the first guy off the bench. Yeah, uh, and he's in that closing lineup. Yeah. Who cares if he starts or not? Honestly. Which is what he's yeah. going to do. I mean, yesterday, uh, let me look at the the numbers here. Yesterday, Brandon. Jo- well, actually, Brandon Johns played more minutes yesterday, but I think a big reason for that it was only one more minute, and I think a big reason for that was Chandy was struggling for uh, you know a large majority of the game. He was over yeah. five. Well, he also then. expends so much damn energy on defense, man. Yeah, like he needs. Yeah. He's gonna need blows. Like that's his thing. He comes in and he's. Like these starters are going, especially if you're playing like 32, 33 minutes, you know, you've been grinding all game against Franz or Isaiah Livers or something like that. And all of a sudden you got shoddy Brown with fresh legs coming at you. Like that was, that was a big part of Michigan's strength, you know, is that they were able to lock up the guards. Their length is insane. And that was the thing that made Franz and Isaiah so valuable together out there, not even necessarily just on the offensive end. Uh, but but defense and turning into transition opportunities too. And that's where, you know, 
I, I think that that first game is going to be key for Michigan to making a run, as ridiculous as it sounds, taking on a 16-seeded uh, team. Number one, they need to find, as I've mentioned, rhythm on offense. But number two, Juwan needs to figure out new lineups. He, he needs to figure out what guys play well together. Right. When you lose a guy who probably played, what, 30 to 34 minutes a game here this year for you. Like, everything changes when you lose a guy like that. And it's a challenge for the staff, and it's going to be a challenge for the players. But that first game, I think you could probably – you have a good chance of figuring a lot out after what you saw and take what you learned from that Ohio State game. If they struggle on that first game, then expectations for the entire tournament uh, are going to change. And you brought up yeah. something that is maybe the biggest or most overlooked X factor of Michigan coming into this tournament. Now, we have spoken Juwan's praises millions of times, and deservedly so. The job up to this point that he has done in his first two years is unmatched. He's going to be national coach of the year. He's an unbelievable job. But he has still never coached an NCAA tournament game. And do I have do I have faith that he's going to do a good job? Yeah, I do. But I think there is that there is an there is an X factor there because I think it was for a while there um, that was an issue with Beeline where we we wondered is there going to you know he's he made it to the tournament with West Virginia but that's you know different story different program. We saw what happened against Ohio in 2012 and then it seemed like in 2013 they really figured things out and he became a, a phenomenal uh, March postseason coach. Uh, this is going to be Juwan's big opportunity and i i believe in him i'm going to continue to believe in him but i think we saw and this is obviously topic of much controversy we saw in that last possession against ohio state i felt like an instance in which he put a little bit too much trust in his players um and we could go back and forth talking about that but yeah that's that's a huge x fact x factor that i think a lot of people aren't talking about i think it's going to be one of the big reasons why uh, there's going to be a lot of naysayers who may have this team getting bounced in the second round or may have them losing I, the Sweet 16. I think that was a, a big learning moment for Juwan yeah. right there. And I think I think he is going to learn from it. I think that was best case scenario, win or lose, you know, would have been awesome to see that shot go in for Mike Smith. Mm-hmm. I talked about it. I'm personally, I don't see it a lot in basketball. I'm pers- personally a fan if you do choose to, to run the clock, to run offense, because uh, a lot of people are making a big deal about the timeout. And I understand what Juwan said. You don't want the defense to get set, but you right. basically called the timeout by having Mike Smith dribble at the center circle for 20 seconds before he went. The defense is set by that time. So it, when you're down one, that's a, it's a tough opportunity. If you have the last shot, you know, whether you're going to go into overtime or win the game, those are really the only two options. I understand doing that, but run some offense. If you can get a mismatch, you know, with Hunter Dickinson down on the block, go a little quicker than eight seconds. And I think if mm-hmm. that does come up again, I think that will be a learning experience that, Mike Smith got a decent shot, but it's probably a low percentage shot. It's a long two over a, a much bigger defender, DJ Liddell, you know, and that's probably not the shot you want. You take that, you learn. And when it really counts, I think you administer, you know, what you learned and maybe a new strategy to attack it. It's not the shot you want, but I mean, I think all three of us know he can make that. I mean, especially oh, the yeah. latter portion of the season, he's been capable of making those outside shots. My issue was not him not taking a timeout. My issue, and it's not a Juwan problem. It's this is you saw at Penn State do it. I don't like the whole. All right, there's 30 seconds left in the game. Let's hold it until there's five, and then take a final shot. Like to me, especially you look at what Ohio State had just turned the ball over three straight possessions. 
go to the basket, see if you can set something up with Dickinson. If you, if you miss a shot with even with five seconds left, you can still foul worst case scenario. They make both free throws and then you get a, a chance to tie it with a three you know, at the horn. Uh, that's, that's what bothers me is just the, the waste of time. Like I, I, cause I think very often when, when teams are so focused on running it down to the last second, uh, they end up rushing, they end up taking too much time. And I think that's what happened. He told Mike Smith and Mike Smith did exactly what Juwan told him to do. He, he said, go at about the 10 second mark. The problem is I think they were trying to set up something for Dickinson in the low post, but, and had they have tried doing that with 20 seconds left, cause it wasn't there. Had they have tried doing that with about 20 seconds left, you can reset and try to establish something again. The fact is with six seconds, that play was that they snuffed that out. And then it was Mike Smith one-on-one with a fadeaway three. Uh, that, that was the only issue that I had with that play, you know, him taking a timeout, who knows what they would have drawn up out of timeout anyway, but yeah, it, it was, I don't, I personally don't like a timeout in that instance. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter to me. And again, I think that it was an instance of Juwan, I think putting a little bit too much trust in his players saying, Hey guys, I've trusted you all year, go out and create when sometimes again, not necessarily needing a timeout, but you do need a little bit of structure in those late game situations because everybody is pressing. Yeah. That's a, so bluebird well, here. here he just, here's he where just Twitch chat, they, they had a, they had a mismatch on Dickinson. He never got below the elbow. Like, right. And you can't with that little time to Chris's point. Yeah. Sorry, Anthony, go ahead. No, I was, you know, I, I will, I'll push back on having too much confidence in Mike Smith because what it, what it, you know, after, you know, a day or so to kind of digest what happened that sequence, like Michigan had no business getting back into that game. It just kind of happened right. that way. Right. That sequence to me is, is kind of similar to remember going for two with Devin Gardner in that, whatever it was, 20, 2013 13, Ohio yeah. state game, whatever it was. It's just like, Hey, we made it this far. You may as well. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important to, and Juwan has said this throughout the year, it's important to empower Mike Smith and let him know, like, you're not just like a game manager. Like we believe that if we put the ball in your hands, you can score and you can, you can take on a bigger load for us. And they're going to need him to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at, again, it, it's, you don't replace Isaiah livers. The best you can do is kind of do the money ball approach. You know, can I get, you know, this is a guy who's averaging 13 points a game. Can I get an extra basket from Hunter Dickinson a game? Can I get an extra basket from Franz, from Eli, from Mike Smith, from Shawnee Brown, Austin Davis, Brandon Johns, Terrence Williams? It's like if everyone just does a little bit and does their part, you know, you there's obviously a drop off there. But uh, and this is, you know, shout out to um, Evan Miyakawa on Twitter. Uh, He says without Isaiah Livers, Michigan still has three of the top 15 players in the nation, according to his analytics. Franz is ranked eighth. Hunter Dickinson is ninth. And Eli Brooks is ranked 14th. Wow, really? There is now. Here's the. <laughs> I think Eli Brooks has the best plus minus in the nation, doesn't he? Wow. He's up there now. Here's here's the catch. I've got his uh, I've got his rankings pulled up here. Gonzaga has five. Their their five starters are in the top seven. So Jeez. that's how loaded that team is. Um, Kofi Coburn's at number four. Io is at number nine or um, number ten. So is Luca? Get, what's that? Is Luca in there? Luca Garza ranks eleventh. Eleven, okay. So, but again, it just it kind of speaks to the idea that first, this team has been loaded throughout the year, and when they've been loaded, healthy, and well rested, they've obliterated everyone. Like yeah. honestly, the, the the one competitive, two competitive games they played were that Penn State game early on, which 
I believe that was in the stretch where Austin Davis wasn't healthy. And then right. the, uh, the Ohio state game uh, on that Sunday afternoon. So you're telling me that Michigan still has the eighth, ninth and 14th ranked players in the country. There's, you know, outside of Gonzaga, who I just mentioned, that's insane what they've been able to do, but there's not a team in this bracket I hold here in my hands that wouldn't be over the moon about having those guys still left. Right. And that's without Mike Smith and, and some of those guys off the bench who we think they can get some good minutes out of. So again, I'm not a couple weeks ago. We were, again, I came on here. I said what I did about Illinois. We we're, you know, getting high off of our own product. We had a lot of crow to eat. Icarus flew a little too close to the sun you know, we came back down to earth a little bit, but Michigan was playing that well. They still have the pieces here, especially given this draw to, again, if they just are consistent offensively and maybe this opens up a little bit because you're not going through the meat grinder every, every game, right? This team can still make a final four. Like they can come out of this region. I don't know if I'm picking them to do that. I haven't gone through the bracket other than what's in my hand right now, but everything's there for them still. And like, like I said, I think they're still the best team in their region. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They, yeah, I mean, I think their biggest obstacle may be themselves, you know, it's kind of now, it's that way. Juwan Howard too, like what's he's never coached in a March madness before, but we've seen, you know, all we can go by is what we've seen him do with these teams on short rest. We saw what they did in the Bahamas last year. We saw what they did, you know, with, with some of these games that were made up um, throughout, you know, you get, you get trounced by Illinois and you don't have the, you don't have the wiggle room to do that now, but you come back two days later and, and put together a pretty dominant performance over your rival. This is a smart, they're, they're still talented. They're not as deep, but they can still go seven or eight deep. Mm-hmm. They're well coached. You have a, a coach of, you know, 25 years sitting next to you on the sideline. Who's going to get the scout for one of these games. Saudi Washington has scouted NCAA tournament games every like all the ingredients are still there it's going to come down to your guard play because that's what these tournaments normally do but all the ingredients are still there for this team to make a run and that is that is a great point you make about the staff too and i think if there is a moment where and i don't think this will happen but if there is a moment where maybe juan gets a little bit overwhelmed by by the moment you know in his first ncaa tournament and this is really i mean i you know i'd have to look i can't imagine there's five staffs better than what Michigan has. Like Phil Martelli is kind of a legend. I mean, he did a great job at St. Joe's. Saudi Washington is going to be an elite head coach somewhere really soon. I mean, so you basically have three head coaches on your staff, uh, including, you know, the, the your real head coach and Juwan. So, yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm with you. And it's, it's a confident team. And right, the way I'm feeling about this run is similar to how I felt in 2013. Like they're coming into this. They're a little bit beat up. They're a little bit bruised. But we've seen this team reach number two in the country the way that the team in 2013 reached number one in the country. I know that team's still in there. I know that that team still exists, even with the injuries, even with how, you know, how beat up they might be. I know they're still good enough to make that run. And um, it's a confident bunch. It's more confident than the 2013 team was honestly. And so hopefully, uh, hopefully they make something awesome happen. And And at the end of the day, Michigan won another really quick. Sorry, Luke. Another key is that they're already in Indianapolis. Like they're, That's where I think it uh, – I just think that, again, we'll see what happens this first weekend, but I'm, I'm pretty at ease with what their situation is right now. 
And it was, I mean, you look at the official seed list, I think the Big Ten's the first conference in history to do it. They had four of the top seven official seeds. Yeah, they are the first. I mean, just Anthony said it best, man. Getting getting out of the meat grinder that's in the Big Ten might just be a little breath of fresh air. That's kind of what happened with the 2013 team when you look back on them. How bad was their stretch to end the season? They lost at Penn State. Was that Penn State's only conference win? Maybe second conference so, yeah. win that year? Yeah. I mean, I mean they, they, it, they were a five seed in the conference tournament. I mean, that's how good that conference was right? Uh, that season. So, no, I mean, you, you're you're completely right. And what's, it's not favoritism either. Those four of the top seven seeds are earned. Every one of those yeah. teams, I any one of the top six teams in the Big Ten, I could see making a run to the Final Four. Maybe not Wisconsin, but... Yeah, I mean, this is it, it's as deep as it's ever been. And uh, what do you guys think? Could we get ahead. a Michigan, Michigan State elite eight going to the final four here? <laughs> I'll, I'll, pa- I'll pass your, on that from your lips, <laughs> from your lips to God's ears. Give me that. Give me the rubber match. That's fine. Bring it. That's cool. That would be. Oh, my goodness. I we thought we were going to get it uh, two years ago. We thought we had a chance to get the final four match up. Michigan didn't exactly hold up their end of the bargain, scoring like eight points in the first half against Texas Tech. But I thought I thought in 14, I remember I was a senior in high school sitting at the dinner table with my parents. I'm like, guys, I got a sinking feeling. These two teams are going to play for the national championship. And, um, you know. MSU forgot how to play offense and, and Harris or what was it? Yeah. What was Harrison brothers to hit that shot to put them in the uh, Kentucky in the final four. But yeah, it, um, it'll happen one day. Like, I think it actually will. I mean, will, who knows what MSU will do when, when Izzo leaves, but yeah, I know. I don't, I don't believe it'll be this year. I don't want it to be this year, but yeah, I bet at some point we'll have to face the music. It's just MSU could either get blown out or again, they've beaten Michigan, they've beaten Ohio State, they've beaten Illinois. It's like, yo, they're they, they were good for getting really blown out terrible. once a week. No, it's not a bad draw. It's not, Luke. You're right. Like Texas, Texas is three seed. They're number twenty six on Ken Palm. Yeah, and they're. I mean, look, I think Shaka has finally kind of. They took that dude eight years to recover from John Beeline smacking him silly in the second round of the tournament a couple years ago, or not a couple, but in 2013, <laughs> uh, they seemed when he just exposed that havoc defense, like which was this most unstoppable force that McGarry and, and Burke just ran through like a train. Um, he seems to have figured it out, but they're not, they're not, you know, they're not a powerhouse and they, they played well in their conference tournament. They're a good team. And I, I still like Shaka a lot, but I, yeah, no, it's not, it's again, yeah. It's another team that could either lose that first game, or we could see them in the Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight. I'm gonna have a tough time not filling out at least one bracket that has State and Sweet Sixteen. Oh well, you know, are you multiple bracket guy in the pools, or are you just turning the one? Um, well, the thing that's the thing too is like I got like I'm in a couple different pools, so it's like, what do you do? And then we got ones that you can have multiple entries, so. I'll, I'll do a couple here and there, but I don't feel like 40 of them or anything like that. Usually it's like four at the most, you know, this one I filled out based on who has the best mascot. This one I filled <laughs> out based on, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I have so going, many combinations, man. I will be, I will be racking my brain about this until the first four. And when I have my bracket filled out, this will be the bracket. I, I'll be in a couple pools. We might do one for Maze and Brew just for, you know, entertainment purposes only. No one's putting up any any money or anything. But um, the bracket that I fill out will be, it will be the gospel 
according to Anthony. You're the one. You're the one bracket guy. Just, just the one, hey. Well, you know, it's all about integrity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, we ooze integrity over here. But uh, yeah, the the last thing I'll say about this East region is Alabama and Nate Oates are very much for real. Um, oh yeah, Nate Oates, formerly at Buffalo, Romulus High School, just next door to yeah. me here uh, downriver. Uh, they're for real, and I think that. Um, if it's not Michigan that comes out of this region, I think it will be Alabama. So no, they got some. No, I don't legit. Athletes, them, I don't really want to see UConn either, though. No one I've wants seen to see UConn, UConn much. No one wants to see UConn. I mean, that's that's a team where, out of nowhere, we've seen them do it twice. Out of nowhere, they just run through the the field. But you know, doesn't it? It feels like it's kind of going to be a chalk year, um, especially in that any of these teams could drop out at any given moment because of a positive COVID test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've right now to me, the two best teams in college basketball are Gonzaga and Illinois. So it's, it's not fun to pencil them into the national title game, but that's kind of at first glance, I know Illinois is in the tough region, but again, talk about a team that survived the meat grinder. Like, yeah. um, I don't know. I just don't, in that up top in that South region, I I'm not as high on Baylor as most. Um, That's going to be the chaos. Region, Purdue, I think. Purdue, watch out for Purdue. That's that might be the team where I'm like eh, in the Purdue and Arkansas. So keep up. Yeah, that that is one thing, one team that we haven't about enough. This is maybe Matt Painter's best coaching job what he's done with that team this year. I mean, how many we have talked about literally every team in the big 10 at some point this year, I think, except for them. And yet we've only seen them once, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we, we destroyed them, but like for them to be a four seed in the conference tournament and a four seed in the NCAA tournament, uh, he's done a really, really awesome job there. And, and I also, I, your point about this potentially being a chalk year, I could see that happening because there's also fewer variables where I think, it is because of no travel, because of no, you know, changes in, in geography and stuff like that, because of there will be fans, but not what we're accustomed to. I think it's it's far more likely that talent's just going to rise to the top and we're going to see more of those one seeds breaking through. Um, just All, just a hunch, but yeah, it's possible. It's, just think of the bubbles in the other sports we've seen so far. I mean, the Dodgers were the best team and the Dodgers and Rays were the two best teams of baseball. Right. They played for the World Series. Um the Lakers were a team of destiny before the bubble and yeah. they go through and, and win an NBA title. Um, the Tampa Bay lightning were the best team in hockey. They win. So mm-hmm. again, um, football wasn't quite the same, but the, the bucks win the super bowl in their home stadium. It's just like, it just seems like there's less of those, you know, again, we love this time of year because of the upsets. I honestly, I'm upsets are fun. It's fun for that. Like, Northwest Dakota technical university mm, right. to win a game because it's fun and everyone's brackets are destroyed, but give me the chalk on that first weekend and let's get, let's get a second weekend of the most elite teams in college hoops that we can. That, that's the, that's the worst hit kept secret in college basketball, especially with the NCAA tournament is everyone bitches. Oh my God, it's Duke again. Oh my God, it's Kentucky again. The fact is when those teams are in it, people watch. And I'll, I'll, I'll be real. Like I like my upsets, not to Michigan, but I like my upsets in the first weekend of the tournament. 
by the time we're getting to the elite eight and the, and sweet 16, the final four, I want to see ones and twos. I, I don't, I don't have a I lot like of, the upsets when I pick them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Like by, by the time we, by the time we get to that third weekend, I want to see the ones and two seeds playing each other. I don't, I don't want a seven, eight national championship like what we had in 2014. I want to know, uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's any way to find this out because Ken Palm rankings gets continue to get updated throughout the tournament, but Gonzaga is plus 38 in adjusted efficiency right now. The next closest is Michigan, I think, at 32.22. I want to know, number one, if anyone's ever reached plus 38 going into the tournament, and number two, if there's ever been that big of a gap between one and two, because that is wild. My only guess would be, you know, Kentucky in 15. Kentucky 2015 Uh, was 36.91 at the end of the tournament, but (laughs) I'm going back. That's the one right now. In terms of seven, Virginia had a pretty high one the year they won it, but again, it's just, but that, but they also had some ridiculously close games in that they got so lucky to to even make the final four. Like that Purdue game comes to mind. The Auburn game. One of the best college basketball games I've ever watched was that elite eight game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was I mean, a great tournament. Yeah, in, in any other year, I mean, God, you, the most impressive thing about this is that the five teams after Gonzaga on Ken Palm are all at like thirty as well, which that would yeah, put you in the amazing. conversation in any year. Yeah, but you know, part of that is again, you know, Gonzaga's legitimately good. Like, I don't know if they're the best college basketball of all time. You know, all time good, best team of all time good, but uh, I do think at you know, they do remind me of that 2018 Villanova team and just that they're just, they can just come at you in so many different ways. But again, and I'm not, Gonzaga has destroyed literally everyone. Like they have not, there's not a game they've played this year. I'm going through, I mean, they beat Iowa by 11, but other than that. The, the West Virginia game was close just because Jalen Suggs got hurt that's in the right. first half. That's right. Um, other than that, again, but is it a team that is it a team that's been tested you know they, they haven't really been, well, they've t- been tested but it's been so long since they've been tested that like i wonder if that is ever something that creeps up on them you well, know just what I'm saying we've seen gonzaga teams before that blister through the regular season and have these big expectations and it doesn't work out um you know like the adam morrison team for example but they have like four adam morrisons this year so it's just like it would yeah. be easy to pencil them in to win it all. Again, like like I said, their their draw it's their draw doesn't do a whole lot for me either. I see them in the final four. Um, yeah, there's there is no one there that I think. I mean, it's almost a cakewalk to the final four for them. I know Oklahoma had a couple of nice wins here this year, but they're not great. Virginia, they have not been. You know, Virginia. Uh, the Hauser brothers have kind of been a little disappointing here this year for both state and Virginia, to be honest with you. Um, but Kansas has been Virginia a little down in that the team, you know, <laughs> and, and and they already beat the hell out of Iowa, you know? So man, I don't, I don't know. It feels like a cakewalk. Well, for the final Iowa, if it gets to Gonzaga and Iowa, I'm interested in seeing if Iowa improves enough defensively. Cause like I said, when they played Michigan, I think they were like 79th. Um, defensively on Ken Palm and they're all the way up to 50. So, and they played much better defense in that Michigan game yeah. than really I'd seen them play in a long time. So yeah. again, it's could Iowa catch them 
at the right time. You know, it's again, it's, it, it's, that would be, we'll see, we'll see. But again, what, it's all what's, well, man. We'll, we'll see. We'll watch the damn games. I know that I'm going to watch. Yeah. I'm going to watch a lot of <laughs> basketball, hot take, you know, <laughs> you know, don't want to, don't want to throw too many hot takes around here, but yeah, I'm going to watch all these games. I'm probably going to put on some weight while doing it because I will be eating and, and consuming to my heart's content because this what, is what do you guys do you do you like the friday start or do you prefer the traditional thursday friday oh give me start? give me thursday i prefer yeah. thursday yeah yeah it's fun to it's fun to have an extra day to pretend you're actually getting work done um, right during the yeah. day yeah uh, the, the old boss button on the cbs that mo- that that monday might be the hardest day of work to go into for sure. yeah no and say tournament games on a monday that's odd yeah Whatever, man. Monday, Wednesday, um, whenever. Just at midnight, at, at 2 a.m., at whenever. Just give them all to me. Um, yeah. I've never – I don't know. Like, there's not as much excitement in this. sense. Like, obviously, for Michigan there is because we still are of the opinion this is a team that can go on a run and maybe still win it all. But from top to bottom – I've been a lot more excited for matchups and, and other NCAA tournaments because I do think this one is fairly top heavy. Um, but again, there's always that plot twist right around the corner too of you know what if what happens if uh, Corey Kispert you know tests positive for COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. That's again, that's kind of the the. We also have to keep in mind that we haven't, this has been a year in which we don't really get a full season to judge the teams against one another. We pretty much only have conference play to go on. We had some matchups in the non-conference, like we mentioned, Gonzaga, Iowa, and uh, Gonzaga, like West Virginia, but there really weren't a ton of perennial non-conference matchups. Even the Champions Classic, like that turned out to be hot garbage with Kentucky and Duke not even making the field here this year. So yeah. it, it might feel, you know, like, like I'm curious about that. It very well could be top heavy because that's what it seems like, but it also just might not be because we haven't seen these, these matchups and, you know, we, we have no even similar opponents to go off for a lot of these. So it could surprise us. I feel like, well, I'll put it this way. If it winds up being Gonzaga and Baylor in the national title game, I'm going to feel a whole hell of a lot. Like I did watching the college football playoff. Cause I think that would be pretty boring. Um, yeah. I think Gonzaga would whoop the hell out of Baylor. To be honest. Yeah. That's, that's to me, the most vulnerable, even despite as how tough Illinois bracket is or region is that to me is the most vulnerable ones. And even more vulnerable than Michigan Baylor, just that since their COVID break, they have not impressed me very much to be honest. And you know, well, they, and they've fallen big time out of the defensive threshold too. Like they're 44th on defense now. And they've um, never, and they, you know, they have experience, but you know, they've never made a Final Four. I mean, how many meet the threshold this year, Anthony? Well, here's what we're looking at. That's kind of where I was going to end today. Uh, Gonzaga is first on offense, tenth on defense. They're safely in. Other than that, according breaking news, according to Ken Palm, Gonzaga, Michigan, and Illinois, who are the three top-ranked teams in the tournament, are heading into the tournament. One of those three teams, based on Kempom's metrics, are most likely to be the national cha- champion. So, even with what Michigan's gone through, they haven't slipped all that much. The profile no. is still pretty similar. So, uh, Houston's right on the edge. They're eighth on offense and 16th on defense. We know you need to have a top 15. So, again, a couple of good games, they could be right there. Um, 
but other other than that, that's kind of it's kind of what you're looking at. So it, it cracks well, me up. I sort of by offense here, and you get LSU, who's fifth, which is ranks one spot ahead of Michigan. It just cracks me up. 125th on defense. Give us LSU on on a what would be a Monday game. Michigan will start. Yeah, it would be a Monday game. I don't know how I feel about that because I'm gonna have to. I got to work Monday night, unfortunately. Districts. I, yeah, of course, that's that's district week too with high school basketball that's going on. So that's a blast. Well, you do what you got to do. We'll uh, we should have some fun tournament stuff going on. So excited yeah. to get that stuff ironed out and have a plan in place for you guys. I know as soon as I hop off here, I'm gonna do a little rundown of of Michigan's draw and maybe look at some of the other regions as well. But yeah, I, I think as we kind of wrap up here, you should still, fe- I still feel pretty good about Michigan, Michigan situation. You know, if livers was there, I'd, I'd have them penciled right into the final four. Yeah. I'm not so sure. I'm not sure where I have them here now. Um, but I know if there's any chance that Isaiah livers can come back, I think that this team might be able to position themselves for that. Because this again, I, I like obviously you like playing the six, the the sixteen seed. I like the eight nine matchup they got compared to what everyone else got. Um, again, Colorado I think is good. Florida State's good. George, Georgetown is playing good basketball, but I still think Michigan matches up fairly well with all those teams. So you get past this first weekend, which again, get to the second week. I feel like I've been saying this for two years. What's the expectations for Jawan Howard's Michigan? Get to the get to the second weekend and see what happens, and yeah. I think they have a shot to do that despite everything they've gone through. Yeah, uh, look, it's it's completely fair to say that this team's been dealt a pretty pretty unfortunate hand with the injury, and I know I've I've tried to make it seem like there's you can slightly replace it, and, and you know, like I said, if guys step up, maybe you can, but there is also the the other factor, which is. Um, the leadership that Isaiah livers brings on the floor and, and that's, that cannot be replaced. And it's going to be, it's going to be a difficult ride. I, I really have loved this team. I, I have thoroughly, cause there's been years where, you know, sometimes you have teams that are good, but maybe a little bit boring. Sometimes you have teams that come on late, like 2018, basically from the jump. I, this has been such a fun ride. Um, they've worked their asses off to get here. And despite how unfortunate things may be going into this, I, I feel like I feel I feel better than I should. And I think that's a result of having a coach and a group of players that are extremely confident in themselves. And hopefully that that will carry them a long way. Let's go fill out some brackets, shall we? Chris, where can we find you on social media, my man? At Castellani 2014. There you'll find the links to my other stuff. My YouTube page where I've been reviewing movies. Just uploaded a review for the movie Cherry directed by the Russo brothers on Apple TV. So check that out. I have another show, Locked on Tigers. That's at Locked on Tigers on Twitter. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of that program. It would be much, much appreciated. Numbers on that have been going up recently. Just did a really fun interview with uh, Bailey, a.k.a. Foolish Baseball, who has one probably the best uh, baseball YouTube account that there is i think he's awesome so please follow me on uh, all those platforms anthony where can we find you follow me on twitter anthony t broom follow the website at maize and brew join our discord that'll be a lot of fun that's yeah that's been popping lately um yeah wherever you get your shows apple google spotify stitcher again uh <laughs> i'm pumped i mean it's it's, it's March, here baby. i mean I'd, I'd be i'd be i'd be as excited as i am right now 
if Michigan was in Michigan State situation. Like March is here, opportunity, the opportunity to win a game, then win another game, then win another game, etc., is all there. So hey, let's let's boogie. Let's have a good time. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Make sure to follow the Brewcast show page as well, along with Mason Brew on Twitter. Rate, subscribe, leave a review. If you're listening on the podcast, don't forget, we uh, the, the reason you want to definitely follow us on Twitter is for, uh, as of recording this podcast, usually we're Monday night, 730 who knows with the new format, what with the what we're gonna do throughout the tournament, you know? Uh, but we're gonna let you know when we're broadcasting live on Twitch. Big thanks to everyone that hopped in here uh, on Twitch. Awesome to see the comments just pop in. Everyone is excited, uh, as excited as we are. Thank you all for uh, you know hopping in the contest con comments. And I really appreciate the feedback, the comments. Uh, had a lot of fun here tonight. So make sure you follow us on Twitter. Uh, just to see when we're going live on Twitch here, but usually it's Monday nights at 7.30. Again, subscribe, rate, leave a review if you're listening on the podcast as well. So that'll do it for us. For my partners, Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani, I'm Luke Yardi, and we'll see you next week on Brewcast.